0: That many years. Um, I was going to get up here and say who's re- who's excited to be in church today, <clears throat> <clears throat> but I don't do Gabe, and uh, and you're probably very glad that I don't do Gabe. I-, I tried to be my dad one time. I tried to tried to fill his shoes. Um, I was uh, I came to Paris to to uh, preach for him one time when he was out of town. And it was years and years ago, back in the days when his church, everybody still wore, you know, suits to church and stuff like that. I preached in a suit. <clears throat> so I came here from Fredericksburg, and I brought my, I brought my nice pants and my, my good belt, and I brought my nice shirt, sports coat, and uh, nice, you know, dress socks. And Sunday morning I got up and, oops, I forgot my shoes. And all I had was tennis shoes. So I went to my dad's closet, and I found a pair of dress shoes, size 8. I wear size 10. (laughs) And somehow, somehow I was able to scrunch my feet into those shoes, size 8, and I told the people that. I said, I'm trying to wear my dad's shoes today, fill my dad's shoes. I'm overflowing them. And I, and I really felt like I, I walked like a geisha girl because it, it hurts so bad to just take a step. And it was excruciating. And I, and I decided that when you try to be somebody else, it makes you look silly. Amen. Right? So don't, don't be somebody else. Be, be who you are. Okay? <clears throat> um, I want to begin. And I, I, I used to do this, and I won't do this every time I preach, but for some reason I just felt impressed to do this. I used to do this in my church for the initial reading of the scripture. I'd like everybody to stand in honor of reading the first scripture this morning. Galatians chapter 5 verse 24. Which says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Let me pray. Father, speak to your people through your word through your voice. I'm I'm simply a voice, Lord, of one crying in the wilderness. I'm a voice. I'm not the message. The message is the word of God, and I pray that it would speak to every heart and do effective, fruitful work in everyone who receives it and believes it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. (coughs) Several days ago, Lori and I were at a... um, fast food restaurant, and we had gone to the counter, we'd placed our our order, Lori went to go get a seat, I was waiting on the young man that waited on us to fill my drink, fill my cup, it was not a, one that does self-service, so he filled my cup and he sat it down in front of me, and I looked at it, and I said, uh, I said, is that a large, and he said, and he just kind of, uh-huh. And so I, I looked up at the, the, the picture of the different cup sizes behind him. I looked at that, and I looked at the cup, and I looked at that. And look, he saw me doing that. And I said, are you telling me that there's no cup bit size bigger than this? And he said, well, yes, but he said, but we're out of them. And so he shows me the, the thing that holds all the cups beside him, right next to him, and it was completely empty. And I said, okay but you charged me for a large. He said, well, that's what you ordered. And I said, (coughs) I was getting a little bit irritated. I kept my cool. I kept my cool. And I said, okay, but you didn't have a large. And, And he said, well, what do you want me to do? And I said, well, look, the ticket shows that you rang up large, and you gave me a medium, and you knew that you didn't have any large cups. And he said, well, what do you want me to do? And by that time, you know, it was only 20 cents difference, and that was not the point. I was trying to show this young man that he needs to pay attention. But by this time, I was thinking, people are behind me. They're about to take two, 20 cents out of their pockets and put it on the counter. So I thought, I'll just leave this alone, and I went back to my seat irritated. <clears throat> and it's funny how just the press of a wrong button can irritate you. Let me talk about buttons for just a few minutes have you ever thought about how many buttons we interact with every day throughout our lives I I was going to count how many buttons I pushed from the time I got out of bed this morning or before I got out of bed till standing before you but I lost count because I was I was did some typing this morning and I thought I can't count all these all these buttons here so anyway think about it in virtually every room of our house we encounter buttons I bet a lot of you, before you even got out of bed this morning, you pushed the snooze button, and maybe more than once. And ladies, maybe you pushed the button on your hair dryer. Uh, I didn't use one this morning. There was a time I might have, but not, (laughs) maybe in the 70s. But there's buttons every, there's buttons, you push the brew button on your coffee maker. There's buttons throughout the kitchen, microwave, dishwasher, oven, stove. Our cars are full of buttons. We have our current car, you have to push a button to start it. So we, we, we encounter buttons everywhere, and don't get me started on this, that this has virtual buttons. You can't pull this out without punching virtual buttons. You see what I'm saying? What happens when you press a button? Well, we have an expectation of a reaction, of a, of a response. We press a button to get a response. When I press the on button on my remote control, I expect my TV to turn on. When I press the snooze button, I expect 10 more minutes of blissful sleep. When we press the red sonic button, we expect sonic speed, right? Hear a little bit of snickering because I know some of you think, "Uh, I don't expect that anymore. (laughs) We expect something to happen when we press a button, but what if it doesn't? What if we press the button and nothing happens? Then what do we do? Well, in our technological ingenuity, we press harder. Maybe if I press this harder, it will work. Or we press it repeatedly. Did you know if you press an already lit elevator button, it doesn't make the elevator come any faster? <laughs> There's nothing electronically inside that says, okay, we gotta wait for the third press before we actually send the elevator down. I think that's true of the sonic button as well. I think somebody's with binoculars looking, okay, he's pressing it for the third time. We better do something. I've tried that before, tried pressing the elevator button. Sometimes you'll walk up and people will already be standing there, and you'll still press it, even though you know they've already pressed it. (coughs) So what do you do when you press a button and nothing happens? Well, if it's a remote control, you'll check the batteries to make sure they're okay, but sometimes buttons just don't work any longer. What does all this have to do with you and me, you might ask? Well, we all have buttons. We all have invisible buttons. Buttons that when they get pushed, it gets a reaction out of us that causes us to respond. And sometimes, some of our buttons are bigger than others, and some are easier to push than others. But make no mistake, we all have these buttons. Now, In our culture today, there is another word for this, and it's called trigger. You heard that word. It's a current buzzword. Doesn't it seem like people are too easily triggered today? Using the trigger analogy, you know that you hear about guns having a light trigger, and there are people who have light triggers. You barely have to squeeze it, and it goes off. And there are those who seem to always be on the lookout for something to be offended at. We might call them the perpetually offended. And what has happened to this generation that has created a culture where we have to now have trigger warnings, button warnings, where buttons are too easily pushed, a a wrong word, a wrong pronoun, a a wrong look, and even a wrong fast food order. And people who we describe as being overly sensitive or, or overly fragile having a sense of entitlement, crybabies who need safe spaces, and I might have already triggered some people today just with these thoughts, right? And I hope I haven't, because that tells you something about you, not something about me. But anyway, there, there are people whose feelings are more important than the truth. Now, listen, lest we Christians get too smug, we all have our own triggers, or as I said earlier, we have our own buttons. We're not a whole lot different. I've spent most of my life in church. I pastored for 44 years, but prior to that, my family went to church, and we went to, every time the doors were open. And, we, and I, I literally grew up in church. And I've seen my fair share of this kind of thing. I can tell you stories of people getting offended over the tiniest little, insignificant, trivial thing, and leaving church over it. Someone, some, someone's name slipped my mind once in church, and I never saw him again. Of course, you have to understand that I used to be really bad with names. I've gotten a lot better, but I, I was going to introduce a girl to my parents that I wanted to date, and. Took picked her up, took her there and was introducing her and forgot her name. <laughs> Needless to say, it's not Lori. We didn't, I didn't marry this girl, never saw her again. But people get offended by those kinds of things, and we have to deal with these triggers to our flesh. There are myriads of things that we might get offended at. And here's a scripture in Luke chapter 17, verse 1 that tells us that we cannot avoid triggers we cannot avoid these things jesus said to his disciples is it is inevitable that offenses come it is inevitable that offenses come you cannot avoid it they say death and taxes well let's add a third one now it's inevitable that offenses will come now let's get back to the button analogy we all have buttons that can be pushed for instance there is the anger button. How many of you have an anger button? Raise your hands. I want to see your hands. If you have an anger button, I'm going to look around for a minute because I think there's some lying buttons that. Uh, <laughs> and if I just offended you because I said lying, then you and 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 you got mad about that. You do have an anger button, so raise your hand up. So, we we all have we all have an anger button. Uh, when it's pushed, it causes our blood pressure to rise. It may cause our face to to draw up in a scowl. It it, it might stir up in us a desire to lash out, either verbally or physically. There's an ego button, a button that when it gets pressed, uh, gets a reaction from our pride, one that causes us to come to our own defense, that against anything that might be trying to humble us, there's a lying button, there's buttons that, Trigger our attempts to protect ourselves from being found out, and and so forth. So there's the lust button. There's an addiction button. There's a gossip button. If you if you're hearing gossip, there's this tendency in us to one up somebody. Well, you, if you think that's if you think that's a, a story, let me tell you my story. And so there's a there's a gossip button. There's there's an impatience button. There's a worry button, a fear button. Now, all of these buttons are different for all of us. I may have a huge anger button, but virtually no addiction button. Or a big worry button, but no issues with pride. Regardless, we all have buttons and they get pushed, and sometimes they get hammered. Aren't there some people in your life that just knows how to push your buttons, as they say? And, and, and don't give your spouse a sideways look real, or, or spasm, but <laughs> don't, let's, let's, let's keep this civil, all right? Okay, so, so there's some people in our lives that just know how to push our buttons, and they don't mean to, and maybe sometimes they do, but if anyone can push your buttons, they can push your buttons, or even certain situations that you get into that can push certain buttons in you. We see this all around us. Let me tell you what's happening. That stuff in us that reacts to button pushing doesn't belong there. It wasn't put there by God. I believe it's the residue of two things. I believe it's the residue of our former connection to Adam or the old man, as the New Testament calls him, the old man. Or our former connection to the devil. Let me talk about each one of these briefly. The Bible says that Adam's sin was passed on to us. Here's two verses on that. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And then also in verse 19, For as by one man's disobedience the many were made sinners. So, I'm going to stop there. So, whatever is left in us that is still alive is part of that old man, that old Adamic nature. Now, even though we have been delivered and our old man has been crucified, there's still bits of that that remain in you that God wants to eradicate. How do I know that? Because we still sin. So, there's still bits of that left in us. Have you ever said... That person, he he makes me so mad. That person just makes me so mad. Now, that's not an accurate statement. Someone cannot make you mad. Someone cannot create anger in you. All they are doing is exposing the anger that is lurking in you. There is anger in you, and they've just pushed a button, and boom there it is it comes out and it's exposed isn't that what god told cain in genesis chapter 4 verse 7 he said sin is lurking at the door think about this that sin is inside of you and sin is lurking at the door of your life and its desire is for you but you have to master it listen god did not put that in you now as i said there's a it's a combination i think between the residue of, of, of the old man, and, and, but also the, the residue of your connection with the devil. Did we have a former connection to the devil? Well, the Bible says we did. Jesus said to unbelievers one time in John chapter 8, verse 44, You are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. He also said uh, and describes our new birth in this way in Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness where we once were, the dominion of darkness, and translated or transferred us to the kingdom of his dear son. But there's still something left there from time to time. Believe me, and if there is something left there, it will get exposed because it is inevitable that offenses will come. It is inevitable that your buttons will be pushed and there will be triggers in your life something will push that button and there will be a reaction <clears throat> it might be a person or a situation or both Lori has teasingly said to me over the years you have road rage I think it's teasingly right Is this teasingly? <laughs> and it rears its ugly head from time to time and I told her one time, I said, no, I don't have road rage. I've never pulled a gun on anybody. I've never cut, intentionally cut somebody off. I've never used an obscene gesture or anything like that. Never done any of that. Never yelled out of my window. I said, I have road irritation. <laughs> <clears throat> and sometimes that rears its ugly head. But it would be wrong of me to assume it's all gone unless it's been tested. Because sometimes we think, yeah, I've gotten, I've mastered this. I don't have that issue anymore. I don't get irritated anymore. I don't get angry anymore. But until it's tested, you really don't know that. It's easy to say I'm not irritated if everything's going my way. Give me roads that have all green lights. Everyone is moving out of my way. No one is cutting me off or driving at a snail's pace. And you won't see any irritation in me whatsoever. I could then say, see... I have conquered my irritation until that one moron who needs his license revoked cuts me off, and then all of a sudden, boom, there's the irritation in me. Now, I was behind a lady yesterday. We were in a, another fast food. Uh, we were in a, in a, in a, yeah, <laughs> at a drive-thru, and there was a lady in front of us. And uh, I pointed this out to Lori. I said, look look at her sticker on her rear window. It says, the closer you get, the slower I drive. And I said to Lori, I've been behind her many times. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think for the most part, I'm a fairly patient man. But when I've pressed the sonic button for the second time, and, and then the third time, I'm smashing that button. Did you know that the original sonic motto was service at the speed of sound? And perhaps I was misinformed in school or wasn't paying attention what the speed of sound really is, unless they mean that the sound originates on Pluto or something like that. But when I push that button for the third time, I'm really pushing my own button. I'm going... I think if we got a magnifying glass and looked carefully at that red button, this is what we would actually see. You got that? (laughs) There's a story about C.H. Spurgeon. One of his friends told Spurgeon that he had finally, I've finally reached a sanctified state. The old man, my old man is dead. So Spurgeon invited him over to dinner one night and during the meal... Spurgeon took his glass of water and threw it at the man's face. The man rose up out of his chair, outraged, to which Spurgeon responded, Oh, I see your old man has been resurrected. (laughs) See, unless it's tested, you really don't know. And so it's inevitable that offenses come because when they come, then we can see those things and we can deal with those things and we can eradicate those things in our life. Here's a statement that I think you should remember for the rest of your days. I have have quoted this for at least 30 years. And, and And it comes around and it comes around and it comes around and it says this. If you can be offended, you will be offended. If it's possible for you to be offended, you will be offended. So let's go back to what I said. It is inevitable that offenses come. And when they do come... If you can be offended, you will be offended. That residue of the old man and the devil needs to be eradicated. Jesus hinted at this about himself when he said this in John chapter 14, verse 30. The ruler of the world is coming, and he has nothing in me. The ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. Man, that that should be what we should be able to say. Let the devil come. He has nothing in me. There's nothing left of him in me. There's nothing left of that old man in me. Now, Satan did try with Jesus. He pushed his buttons. Immediately after Jesus commenced his ministry, Jesus was tempted by the devil and, and, and the devil pressed the lust button, the lust of the flesh. He knew Jesus was hungry. And so Satan encouraged him to convert stones the bread but that button didn't work there was no response in jesus from uh, f- uh, fulfilling his his hunger or or gratifying himself the ruler of this world came and found nothing in jesus no residue that he could get a handle on and say that that belongs to me that looks like me and that's mine and, and then Satan pressed the pride button and Jesus didn't bite with that one either. And finally, Satan pressed the button that might tempt Jesus to save himself, the self-preservation button, and still Jesus was unmoved, thank God. This continued throughout Jesus' ministry, even to the end, and I'll pick up on this again in just a minute. But before I talk about that, let's talk about us again. What was true of Jesus is what god is after in us that god is wanting to extract from you any residue of satan's kingdom in you so that when that button gets pushed there's nothing in you any longer before Lori and i moved here couple nearly two years ago now we were packing up things and i was cleaning out my garage i had a stack of old vcrs and mostly dvd players we didn't use them anymore And I kept them only because sometimes, and they all worked, I kept them only because sometimes my grandsons, I gave them to my grandsons to take apart and look inside and so forth. But let's say you took one of those uh, DVD players and you opened it up, (coughs) excuse me, and you took all the electronics out, took all the gears out, everything, nothing left inside, and you plugged it back in. You can press those buttons all day long and nothing is going to happen. And that's what God wants in you to so eradicate that stuff in you, that self, that old man, that residue of Satan there, that you can, people can press buttons all day long and there will be no response. Those buttons can be pushed and pushed and there's nothing any longer in you to react. So that, my friends, is Christ. Listen, we can even be offended with God or Jesus as I've already said, it is both people and circumstances that can push our buttons, but what about times we might get offended with God or Jesus? Can, can we do that? You might be surprised. Now, I've been uh, for about 12 years, I went twice a year to Spain and I taught uh, 20 and 30-somethings, and so I've taught hundreds of 20 and 30-somethings over the span of 12 years. Talked a lot of them, and, and unfortunately, there's a lot of young people in in the today's current culture christian culture that have a problem with god especially the old testament god i I i've had them say if that's if that's who god is i don't want any part of him they like jesus they don't like the old testament god so can we get offended at god yes we can can we get offended offended at jesus yes jesus said some hard things and if you really pay attention to some of the things he says and really take it personally, and you should take it personally, you might get offended at it. And so there was a time when, uh, and, and Gabe touched on this a couple of weeks ago. I went up to him and said, you're still in my thunder. He had no idea what I was preaching. He asked me to do this back at the end of June, and I already knew. I zeroed in what I was going to share. And dang it, he, two weeks ago he touched on this. He even read these verses. I said, don't go there, don't go there. And he didn't completely go there. So, <laughs> dodge one. I was about to have to change my whole message. So anyway, Matthew chapter 11, verse 2 through 6. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come? Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Leopards are cleansed. I said leopards, didn't I? <laughs> Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Let me tell you what's going on here, because you have to understand John. I was amazed amazed at this the the, the first time I read it. John was a mighty man. John said of himself, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he is quoting an Old Testament verse. He knows he's the one that that Old Testament verse was talking about. I'm the one. The voice that will cry in the wilderness that Isaiah talked about, I'm him. John, the Apostle John, in his book, Said this about John. He said, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. I would love for somebody to say that about me. There was a man sent from God whose name was Michael. What a great way to introduce this man. And then Jesus said some amazing things about John. Jesus said, This among those born of women, no one has arisen greater than John. Jesus also said, that John was the Elijah who was to come. Malachi said that Elijah will come before the great and notable day of the Lord. And Jesus said, if you're able to receive it, John is him. That's the, he's the Elijah. John the Baptist was born for one purpose, one job. I would love to know. I would love for God to say, Michael, you were made for this. This is what you were made to do. John knew that. He knew I was made, I came into this world for this one purpose, and that is to introduce Jesus to the world. That was his calling, and that was his destiny. Jesus even called John the last Old Testament prophet. He said, for all the prophets prophesied until John. So he's implying John's the last one. He's the last Old Testament prophet. And I always thought it was cool that all the Old Testament prophets kept pointing to and pointing to and pointing to, he's coming one day, he's coming one day, and then the last Old Testament prophet gets to point him out physically and say, there he is, behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, and he gets to touch him. And when he does, John introduces him and he says, I'm not worthy to unlatch his, the strap of his sandal, <coughs> much less baptize him. And John also said, he must increase and I must decrease. So after John, his one job, his one job, he did it. After John introduced Jesus to the world, his job was done, and now he needs to leave the stage so that all eyes can be on Jesus because he must increase, I must decrease. So shortly after he's done and introduces Jesus into the world, he's arrested and he's awaiting execution. And while waiting, he starts getting these nagging doubts. Where did that come from? He's actually offended at what's going on. Jesus is not living up to John's expectations and therefore John is disappointed. John is beginning to be offended. His button is being pushed. Has anyone ever not lived up to your expectations? Perhaps we can learn from John and and realize that maybe it's your expectations that are wrong. Notice what Jesus said again. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. John, you're offended. And it's made you doubt everything. And that's what buttons can do sometimes. It can make you lose your way. Can God offend us? Can Jesus offend us? Listen, Jesus spoke the truth, and by nature, truth is offensive to the lie. Jesus is the light of the world, and by Nature, and by and, and, and by nature, light is offensive to darkness. But do you realize that the Bible also says Jesus calls Jesus the rock of offense? I remember the first time I taught this, I, I had a little trigger warning, <laughs> even before I knew there was such a thing as trigger warning. And I said, and I said, this is going to be controversial to some of you, but the Bible says that Jesus is the rock of offense. Let me give you a couple of verses on that. As it is written in <clears throat> Romans 9 33, as it is written, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. And then in Peter says, So the honor is for you who believe, but to, for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the corner, cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Now, both of these, Paul, both Paul and Peter, We're quoting from a passage in Isaiah. Here's the passage in Isaiah. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone, (coughs) excuse me, of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, and a trap, and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. He's a stone of offense, a rock of stumbling, a trap, and a snare. (coughs) Let me tell you what's happening. God has an agenda. God wants to conform you to the image of Christ. And in order to do this, he has to eradicate that fleshly nature from you. It has to be exposed so that God can know what is in your heart and so you can know what is in your heart. And so you will find yourself in situations, it is inevitable that defenses come, you will find yourself in situations that will press your hot buttons until one of two things happens. You will respond as you always have, or you will let go of the offense and be broken. You will let go of the offense and be broken. The breaking in your life will free you from the offense. Here's that verse in Matthew 21, verse 44. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. And that's a good good thing. That's the good news. We need to be broken. God comes and dwells close to those who are broken, are brokenhearted. He who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but he on whom it falls will be crushed. This verse seems like it's saying we have a choice. We can die or be killed. (laughs) Right? We can die, we can fall on the rock and be broken. Again, the Bible calls Jesus the rock of offense. The word offense is the Greek word skandalon. Skandalon is where we get our word scandal or scandalous. Jesus did scandalous things. And he said scandalous things. And at times, his disciples would pull him off to the side and say, You you know what you're saying? There's a verse, I had a reference, but I didn't put it in here. But do you realize what you said? Did you offended some people? And Jesus knew that, of course. Jesus did scandalous things. He was constantly provoking, pushing the buttons of the religious crowd and occasionally his own disciples to see and expose what was in them. He befriended a pot- prostitute. He, found, he was found in the company of sinners. He wasn't always where others thought he should be. Think about Lazarus hearing of Lazarus' serious illness and eventual death, he didn't drop everything he was doing, immediately rush over there. And that would offend a lot of people if the pastor didn't immediately drop everything he was doing and rush over there to hold your hand. And Jesus didn't do that. Scandalous. He inferred that a Canaanite woman was a dog. He he didn't always use PC language. He called Herod a fox. He referred to the Pharisees as blind whited sepulchers serpents and vipers jesus offended those who could be offended he referred to peter as satan one time he called the two men on the road to emmaus fools and slow learners he spoke some hard things in the book in john chapter 6 at which he lost many of his disciples because he talked about them eating his flesh and drinking his blood scandalous offensive hot button issues And Jesus was controversial and offensive to those who could could be offended. He was being honest. He was being truthful. He did not tiptoe around people's sensitivity. He spoke the truth, but at the same time, he loved. And he did that, he did what he did because he was targeting specific areas of offense. I don't mind Jesus coming at me and pushing those buttons if it will expose something in me that doesn't look like him. I don't mind that at all. If you can be offended, you will be offended. And again, Jesus said, blessed is the one who is not offended by me. I think we're going to generalize this and say, blessed are those without offense. I titled my message this morning, unoffendable. I looked that up in the dictionary. It's not a word, but I made it a word. It's unoffendable because that's what God wants for us, for us to be unoffendable unoffendable blessed are those who without without offense because that is what god is after in us how can we come to that place i said that christ remained unresponsive to button pushing his entire life you talk about someone who could have defended himself who could have been proud who could have said look i'm i'm the only begotten son of god i'm i'm god in the flesh he could have been proud he could have defended himself He had every reason to be. He was innocent and yet was accused. And the Bible says the prophecy of Jesus, Isaiah 53, verse 7, said he will be one who would be oppressed and afflicted, yet he would not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that before it shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. How many times have you opened your mouth when you shouldn't have because somebody pushed your button? That is not Christ-like. Time and again, when we see Christ before his accusers, we're told he did not respond. When they ask him point-blank questions, both Caiaphas and Pilate ask him separately, what do you say about these accusations? We know that they were false. Jesus knew that they were false. But the Bible says Jesus was silent. Let me tell you about this word afflicted here on the screen. The idea behind this Hebrew word, it includes the following synonyms. Treated with contempt. Have you ever been treated with contempt? Shamed. Have you ever been shamed? Belittled? Scorned? Mocked? Ridiculed? Jesus experienced all of these things, but he opened not his mouth. They pushed his button, and they pushed his button. Peter speaks of this as well in 1 Peter 2.23. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return, when he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. And that's what we should do. When those buttons are pushed, we entrust ourselves to God. We don't defend ourselves. We we'll let God be our defender, and we entrust ourselves to God. So Jesus, when everybody was pushing his buttons, there was nothing in him. The, 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 the ruler of the world comes, and he has nothing in me. He didn't focus on himself but he focused on them, by the way. And he prayed for them, and he said, Father, forgive them. God calls us to this same kind of life, a life free from offense. I want the worship team to come forward, and and, uh, we'll play something in just a moment. In this day and age, in this day of being triggered and buttons being pushed, is it okay to be offended is it okay the bible says no the goal is to become unoffendable triggerless no buttons to push again god wants you to be conformed to the image of his son and since jesus was unoffendable say what you will do what you want jesus will not be offended that's what jesus wants that's what god wants of his followers. And there's only one way for that to happen. And that's death. That's death. I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about dying to self. Although death is a good analogy for that. Because dead men can't be moved by words or actions. You can punch a dead man in the face and he will not react. Right? So, so death is a good analogy. We need to die to our self. And all sin really boils down to one thing, self. I get irritated on the road because I have some place to be. Michael has some place to be. And they're getting in my, my way. And every, everything we can name, the pride, the gossip, all of this is all about us. It's, it's self, and that has to go. That fleshly thing that still lingers. Most of us know the thing in our lives this morning that still plague us. Maybe you have... An issue with anger maybe you have an issue with gossip maybe you have an an issue with fear or worry or those kinds of things and those are fleshly things that still linger and it's time to bring that to the cross it's time to fall on the rock and be broken to lay it down once and for all to make that choice that when the devil comes he will find nothing in me any longer and i will not respond I have died to self in all of its forms. And when that thing gets exposed, deal with it right then. Say, God, I'm sorry for that. I shouldn't be irritated. Instead of being irritated at that person that cuts you off, pray for them. Say, God, I hope they get to where they need to be safely. And, I, and, and, and it's okay if I'm a little bit late. Because it's not about me. It's not about self. I don't have to be right any longer. I don't have to have everybody believe that my opinions are the best or i don't have to have the i don't have to be first any longer i don't have to be the best at anything i can rejoice when others prosper and i don't i can i can i don't have to be the center of attention i don't i can bear what seems to be unfairness i can bear that because i'm dead to self i don't need i don't feel the need to defend myself that my friends is christ and that's what god is after in you i want the prayer team to come forward if you need prayer this morning if you want somebody just to agree with you about this say, yeah i have an issue with with anger can you can you pray with me so that that i can deal with that, that that i can bring that to the cross that i can die to that thing i invite you to come So we'll pray for you let's stand together I'll we'll pray for you and um, let me just pray for you now father i just pray for every person who's who's heard these words and say that's me i want to be unoffendable i don't like who i am right now i don't like the things that come out of me That means they're still lurking in me i don't like it i don't i i want god i want to bring it once and for all to your cross i want to fall on, on the rock this morning and be broken in Jesus' name.